Hi, I'm Beck, and this is the Be Soulful Podcast, a place where we dive into deep conversations with vulnerability and authenticity to inspire you to ask the more deeper and meaningful questions in your own life. My guest today on the Be Soulful Podcast is Daz Smith. Daz has certainly experienced his fair share of ups and downs from the dance floor of the 80s to marriage, mortgage, kids to commercial radio. He has also endured his own personal debts with a corporate redundancy, a failed marriage, and then the sudden death of his brother. Yet he's always managed to find his way back to his own personal railings. I sat down with Daz where he opened up and shares his life today, which includes his business coaching young people with a disability, the growth of his own radio station, The Buzz, and podcasting. What I truly took away from this episode was that not only is Daz a big softie with a truly kind heart, the love he expresses for his kids, grandkids, and the lady love in his life are truly inspiring, despite the journey he has been through himself. So it really is my absolute pleasure to welcome Daz to the Be Soulful podcast today. Daz, thank you so much for joining me on the Be Soulful podcast. I really appreciate you being here. Hey, it's very much my pleasure being on your podcast, Beck. I really appreciate the invite. <laughs> I'm a little, I've got to admit, a little intimidated, um, you know, interviewing a pro, a radio oh, pro like on. yourself. <laughs> come on. You are um, the pro. I'm going to learn a lot from you. No uh, podcast chat. You're being kind. You're being kind. But I'll open up with the question that I ask all my guests, which is, I know it's a tough one, but just, I don't know. I always just say, come, say whatever comes to mind first, which is, uh, who, who's Daz? Who is Daz? Oh, that is a tough one. I wasn't expecting that. I've, I've heard it, but I wasn't sort of expecting to get it thrown at me. Um, <laughs> I guess um, it, it's, it's hard because I've never really addressed it, Beck. It's... Um, I guess Daz is is what you see is what you get. I've never tried to be anything other than me. And whilst many people would say that the Daz that most people know is quite abrasive and quite happy to shake things up, I guess that's just the way I've always been. I've never been one to hold my tongue. I've always, and I, although having said that, I've, I've known when to push boundaries and when to just to zip it and just, play the game to a degree, although I've never found myself to be a real game player. I'll, uh, I'll play my own game and um, yep. speak out if I feel that something needs to be spoken out about and that will rub people up the wrong way. So I guess there's a lot more levels and a lot more, um, there's a lot more to this onion than most people would know unless you're close enough to me to be able to peel back some of the layers, I guess, is the easiest way to say, and, and I'm, you know what, Beg, I'm kind of comfortable with that. I've yep. been doing it, for, been doing Daz for quite a while now, and yes. I kind of feel like if I get myself into into a position where I'm comfortable in my own skin, yes, then people either take me for who I am or they don't. And if they don't, I don't need a big circle of friends like I had back in the '80s in my party days. I don't need that anymore. I'm I'm happy happy just having the closest people to me, and and I live very comfortably like that. I love that. And look, to be honest, Daz, um, you know, my interactions with you when I've met you, I've definitely felt that you're definitely someone who knows who they are. 
Um, and I'm going to share something with you, agree or not. I actually think you have a really big heart for helping people. Um, and go spreading those rumours back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've experienced it. Um, and I like to think I'm a pretty good judge of character. Um, yeah. But I definitely see that quality within you. Um, I think you definitely um, are all the things that you've summed yourself up to be. Um, but you have a big heart, does. I think you definitely have a big soft heart. <laughs> If it, was, if it was a visual medium, you'd see me blushing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daz, look, we've had a bit of a chat, you know, sort of off, off the pod as well. Um, and so take us back. So you just said something really interesting. You said, you know, back in the 80s in your party days, you had a big circle of friends. And these days you're really happy with, you know, the small, the small, I guess, closer, close group that you have around you now. So take us back to, you know, Daz and his party days and the big circle of friends and the Daz that was then. Yeah, I guess like most people, most young fellas back in the 80s, it was a time a lot different than what it is now and in a lot of good ways and I guess in a lot of probably not so good good ways but we were it was kind of carefree you know I yeah. I was a young guy and I, I wasn't really interested in in settling down I wasn't interested in saving money I didn't have aspirations to own a home and start a family I was a young guy coming off teens in the early 20s just wanting to get out and and have fun and Yep. My week was all about earning money and, and spending it straight away and then having to work all week to get enough money to go and spend it all over again. It was kind of a, a circle that went round and round and round. It might have yep. been a vicious circle, but it was a fun one. Yep. So my life was very much around, you know, nice cars and, and uh, chasing the girls and playing great music and, and drinking and hanging out with the mates. That was what life was all about with yep. really no really no direction, I guess, because I, I, when I was in year 12, I remember uh, the, the group of people that I was in year 12 with, we had a, um, a trip down to Melbourne. We were up in Albury at this stage and I was at a, at a TAFE and we all went down to Melbourne for a few days and, and most of the guys there were going to universities to see you know, what the university's options were for when they were going to continue their education. I just... I just went down to follow the, the cute girls and go to the footy and, <laughs> and play up a little bit. I, the only thing that I really wanted to do was radio. That was all I really wanted to do. And I, I remember the meetings that were set up for me were at, I think, 3AW and might have been oh, 3KZ. I can't remember now, but these are guys that were, this is when the days of radio was radio. Yeah. And I remember having meetings. And the, and the biggest regret that I had uh, was coming back to, to coming back home after a few days away and, and telling, no doubt, telling mum and dad how things went and how exciting it was, but we, I was never pushed on it, never pushed to pursue. Right. Because I think if, if that had happened, I would have started a radio career a lot earlier than what I was able to do at a, at a commercial level. So right. when I got back from that, it was finished school and just hit the party scene. And that's that was my life for, for quite a few years. And I was... I was um, in my element. I was. I, I say my '86 was my big year. I don't, there's there's some reasons around that, I guess, which we don't need to go into. But I, I just kind of felt like it was it was the best time of my life. It was it was great with no with no thought of anything to come. So that was kind of me in the '80s until I I met someone sort of in the late '80s who mm -hmm. eventually became my wife and a mum to three magnificent boys. I guess we'll touch on that a little bit later on as well. So that's yeah. kind of where I was in the '80s.
Wow. Okay. And we will come to that. So I want to go back to the radio, the radio thing. So you, you also said something, you said that radio was really the only thing that you wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that. How, why, what do you love about radio? Oh, look, look, honestly, I don't know where, how it all started. I think I just had a, a deep appreciation for music uh, right. through, through my teen years and, and yeah. I just wanted to be involved at some level. And I don't even know how the first connection came and how I was able to get behind a microphone at a, a radio station, 2REM in, in Aubrey was my first gig and I think I was 17 years old or 18 oh, wow. years old and I... And I remember going out to the station and it was a community radio station, but they had a big, a, a massive big chest full of albums. And you'd go out there with maybe a couple of your albums, but there would be plenty to choose from. And you just sit there for an hour or two on a show and, and just play some tunes. And for me, that was the ultimate. That was Nirvana, well before Nirvana. Wow. Um, so it was, it was great. It's just what I loved. And so that's when that happened. I was, I was happy because I'd already been down to the the radio stations at that stage earlier on that year. I think it was, I'll show, I'll really show my age off now. I think it was 83. <laughs> right. And, um, okay. I know okay. most people think I'm in my thirties, right? Beck. I um, know. <laughs> but I'm a little older than that. Uh, so I, um, I, that's after, after going down and spending a bit of time at radio stations, you know, to be able to get a, a gig at a local station was kind of cool and and it was one yeah. show a week I don't even remember what I played I would have been playing 80 songs I, I can't remember exactly what the format was and yeah so from that point on I was kind of in and out of radio right throughout my life um at different levels which is kind of cool it's just in my blood and when you're a radio person it's, it never goes and anybody in radio will tell you that I have I probably had plenty of opportunity to do more commercial radio for longer periods of time but mm -hmm with marriage and kids and everything, you know, that, op that uh, opportunity just didn't present itself. And if it did present itself, it wasn't logical to be taking that step and, and moving family around all over the place. So I kind of went into in and out of hiatus quite a few times with radio, but it's always been kind of there. And it all started from that, that time back at 18 years old at a little Aubrey local radio station. Wow. Wow. So that's a, listening to that that's a really good segue into for someone who doesn't know much about radio and I'm sure there'll be other listeners who don't really know a whole heap about you know the real inside structure of how radio really works um so um you said it wasn't really sort of you know I guess the thing to do to be moving the family around and, and, and taking those opportunities in commercial radio so probably a good segue into I guess uh your so did, did you marry young Daz and had kids young uh, I think, I think I was 26, I think 26, 27 when I had the first. So I guess, uh, considering, considering these days when, when yeah. he's getting married a lot younger than what, what I did, I think I, I got married in 93, which makes me 20s, so we would have been 27, I think. So I yeah. guess I was, I wasn't super young, but I wasn't well On the young side. Yeah. 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 I guess, and I, I just met somebody that, um, that I fell in love with and, and uh, I was actually in, in Melbourne at that stage. I'd moved to Melbourne and I'd, I'd been all over the place. I was a bit of a nomad. I was just, I was traveling. I, I couldn't find my spot. I was from Albury to Melbourne and back to Albury, back to up to Queensland and back to Albury and back to Melbourne. I just, I couldn't find my place. I guess I needed to find where I needed to be and end up meeting someone that actually lived in Albury of all places on a weekend away with, with, with some boys. And, 
and uh, she ended up moving to Melbourne. And then after 12 months, we moved back to Aubrey. And that's kind of when the family started. So uh, I transitioned out of the party days into relationship mode pretty quickly. And I, I guess it was easy for me to do that because I really felt I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 27, I, I think I'd been going pretty hard at it for 10 years. Um, <laughs> legally for nine, probably illegally for 12. Like it's started pretty young. So I, I guess I was at that stage, it was, okay, it's time to just sort of, not so much settle down, but settle. Just yeah. settle into, into some sort of a more responsible, mature kind of groove. Sure. And I did that pretty quick. And I was just, sometimes it's just meeting the right person because, you know, it's just find yeah. the right person that just levels you out a little bit. Yes. And then living together, that's the first time I'd moved in with somebody that was, wow. you know, that was different. That was a real challenge. And it was, mm-hmm. I think it, that settled me as well. You know, it, it was, it didn't help with other relationships with my, with my family and with friends because I made, made a very conscious decision to, to spend all my time with her. And, and if they weren't, accepting of that well then that was just going to be the way that it was and that put a fairly big divide within my family because they didn't really ever take to her and they they had a preference to another girl that I had dated for years and that was their choice but they made decisions based on what they wanted and not what I wanted so it was a real challenging time at the at the early stages and and then First, first uh, son come along and a marriage and and, a, and, and mortgages and, and all that kind of stuff all followed pretty quickly. It seemed pretty quickly. It was over a long period of time, but it yeah. seemed it all happened pretty fast through that early stages and mid-stages of the 90s, really from 93 to 2000 is when all three boys came along and and um, and mortgages and, and a lot more responsibility and a first venture into business. And there's a, a lot happened through the 90s. Um, but I never really lost the eighties, and I've, I guess that's probably where I remain. I'll always stay there. Right. I'm going to ask this for for selfish reasons. I want to ask this question because we generally, I mean, a lot of my guests are are, are women on on this podcast, and I, I really love getting it from from a male's perspective. So going through that that party era, and you know, being that sort of free party spirit you know, to then having a marriage and having all these commitments, a mortgage and children, which I'm sure, you know, still bring you immense joy in life. But what is that really like to, to go from that to suddenly being, um, and I, I don't want this to come out wrong, but to being so committed in now almost every area of your life, I guess. Like, what is that like? To, to go from carefree to yeah. pretty much all, all the care in the world. Yeah, it's it's... I don't know. I guess I, I don't think I've really ever sat back and thought about it, Beck. I, okay. I think it, it was an easy transition for me because, as I said okay. before, I, I think the timing was right. It was sure. just, it suited me at that stage. And I guess I was, I may have been all partied out to the point where at 27, 28 and going <laughs> the odd nightclub, I, I it just, you know, the music's too loud. I want to go home, be in bed at 10 o'clock, you know. Right. And I thought, yeah. who am I? Like, this dance has changed from the guy that was booted out of places at 3am and then looking for somewhere else to go and drink at four <laughs> and then getting up and going to work at eight. Like, you know, that's, oh that's, God. and it changed really fast. It was, Did it? yeah, I, th- I think it was, um, you know, one of the greatest memories I have, and it, it sounds a bit funny. It's how, how things change and maybe where I got to this point of life. I, I had a pretty cool mullet. It may surprise you, but a I, mullet. I, a I had mullet. a pretty cool, I had a pretty cool <laughs> mullet. And, uh, and, I, and I rocked back pretty much most of the 80s. And I remember making a decision in 1989, funny enough, not long before I met my then-to-be wife, right. that it was time to go. 
So I remember going into in Melbourne. I, I think I was out at Burwood or somewhere in Melbourne. I went to a hairdresser's and they said, we're just going to trim it up. I said, no, take it off. It's all gone. It's time. So I remember walking outside at night at, I don't know, let's say it was six or seven o'clock at night and uh, having that cold breeze hit the back of my head and my neck, which I hadn't felt for 10 years. For me, I guess that was the turning point. That for me was probably when it all changed. When my mullet went, it was time to start settling down. That's probably the key point. One of the key moments in my life, Beck. I know I'm laughing because it's quite comical, but I do understand what you're saying. In some ways, not with the mullet, but I do understand, um, I guess, the symbolism in that mullet going to being a more mature, serious Daz, perhaps, maybe. Yeah. And even at that stage, I was only in my late 20s. It's not as if I was 37. I was, I was sort of 26, 27 years old. So it was, it was still young, but it was, I found it just, I just found it easy to make that move. I think I'd, I'd had enough. And yeah. Things were, mates had gone off and they were meeting girls and we're all doing kind of separate things then. We'd, we'd do a little bit together, but normally the guys would, would have girls then. So we would be just a little splintered where it was five years earlier or even three or two years earlier when we were just, you know, you're living out of each other's pockets. You just couldn't get enough of your mates. That's what we did. We did yeah. everything together. Yeah. Footy, horse racing, camping, partying, the girls. It was just, it was, we did everything together. And then all of a sudden, within a space of 18 months or two years, everybody was settling down and finding their partners in life or forever how long that was going to be. Um, so that probably forced the change a little bit as well. But I kind of just felt like that was, it was the right time for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right time, right time to make those changes. So then yeah. um, obviously, you know, you, you're married, you've got your kids, you, you know, your life's gotten a bit more serious. Um, but I guess that love for radio was always still there for you, Daz. And were you still doing radio on and off, you know, whilst you, you know, had your family and raising, raising your kids? Yeah. Like to a degree, there was an element of it, but again, decisions were made at that stage when there's a family, and especially when the family becomes two of you to five of you that, it now became, like, I've been a sales guy all my life as well. So radio has always been there and being a salesperson has always been there. And it's mm-hmm. something that both those things I've, I've always found that I've been pretty good at. Yeah. And, and a lot of elements I've been excellent at it. And from a sales perspective, I remember a, a recruitment lady told me once when she asked me what my career had been like and what were some of the achievements, I said, I've been very lucky and very, very fortunate that I've been able to work with some very talented people and some great managers. And she said, she said, you Australians are all the same. You need to find your inner American. You need to start, you need to start talking about yourself a little bit more because Aussies don't do that. So I kind of mm-hmm. took that on okay. board that, you know, sometimes it's worth letting people know of how hard you've worked and, and the success that has come from that hard work. Yeah. So I've always kind of been a, a, a very good salesperson of I can understand people and listen to people and and make a connection between what they believe they want or need to what I really can recommend that they really do mm-hmm. need for their business and, and separate the want and the and the needs uh, it's more of a you know that, that helps their business grow so I made the decision that to, to park radio and to just continue sales because there was always better money in it radio yeah. pays pretty poorly anybody in radio will tell you that unless you're one of the big boys it's radio is quite a poorly paid industry right. uh, so i could make a lot better money and some really really good money through some of the good times in in sales that much 
it put me in a much better position to support my family. So the decision was made to not do a lot of radios, to still have a, a deep desire to, and, a, and a deep passion for, for music, um, but not to be able to do it at a commercial or even a community level for quite some period of time whilst we're paying mortgages and the kids were growing up and there was other commitments. It just wasn't my time to be concentrating on something that I wanted to do. It was about, okay, what are my responsibilities as a dad now to, yeah. as a husband to provide? And, and um, that, that's the decision that was made. So, and I guess I, I, I look back and think, I don't know whether there was too much of that time that I actually sat and thought, boy, I'm missing out here because there was other things that became more of a priority in my life. It yeah. was watching the boys grow up and making sure that, that my commitments were, were met and, and my responsibilities as a dad and as a husband were met. Uh, with some pretty demanding work roles that I had as well, but they, they become my priority back. So right. radio was always there, but was nowhere near the front of mind that it was earlier than that and what it became a little bit later on. Sure, sure. So that, yeah, that, that's, I guess, in, easy to understand that, you know, I guess the passion that you had for radio, but at the same time, even though you're not doing it, you've, you've now got your children, as you said, who you really enjoyed, you know, raising and, and gave you joys in other ways. So, yeah, that's understandable. So, Daz, I know um, that part of that journey was also, um, that you've shared was also, unfortunately, the end of a relationship, your, your marriage during that time. Um, can you take us through a, a little bit of that and, and what that meant for you and how your life changed and maybe your journey back into radio and I know that you've also done a little bit of commercial radio yourself yeah yeah look I think it's it's look, you and I've chatted a little bit about this of how how vulnerable that that I feel that I can make myself and and I've yeah. never really shied away from having this conversation only the closest people to me understand the story and and I've shared sure. it with them because I am quite happy not to so much have walls up or barriers up. I just mm. kind of feel like some things I just have never felt comfortable sharing because it's nobody's yeah, business. Or that showed enough interest in, in what my journey has been to really understand what I went through. So sure. I um I, I believe I had a I had a, a very high up role managing a very big team at a national sales role with a company AAA Tourism, which were owned by the Royal Auto Clubs and really? we were in charge of the uh, accommodation guides, which had been around for 80 years. You'd walk into an RACV here in Melbourne and you would pick up your accommodation guide. That's where you would stay. Yep. So that's who AAA, AAA also were in charge of star ratings, which is no longer no longer there. It's, it's now gone. But I wasn't part of the the, uh, the star ratings. I was part of the publishing. My team was a was the publishing team of selling into those guides. It, it had me with a big team in Melbourne, a call centre in Melbourne to manage, an admin team to manage, and also a crew of sales guys around the country. So my role had me travelling all over the the country on quite a regular basis. Now, that, as you'd imagine, put a fair bit of strain at home. Um, The money was exceptional, probably some of the best money that I've ever earned in my life, but you're also working pretty hard for that. Yeah, of course. So like anybody in corporate world will tell you, the money is great, but, you know, to get to get that kind of money, you need to be sacrificing. And I think in the end, I sacrificed my family because I missed a lot of events as my kids were growing up, but I was yep. just wasn't there. I wasn't even home on a couple of my birthdays. Oh, wow. Gee. First. And look, birthday's never been a huge thing for me anyway. As you get a little bit older, it's like, you know, it's just another day. But it was, um, it was, 
it was difficult at times. And I think there was that from my, from my wife at the time was a case of why is he not home a lot? You know, yeah. is he really traveling? You know, that, that doubt yeah, came, yeah. came from her of what actually am I doing with my time? I seem to have a, a harem of women around the country, apparently, as far as she was concerned, that I, which just wasn't the case. It was, it couldn't sure. be any further from the truth. Yeah. So that put a, a strain on on my marriage as well. She was great at spending the money that I was earning, and and you know that's just the way she that's the way she is and was and still is. But it it made life really difficult when you're putting in the hours that I put in to come home to a pretty yeah. cold environment. Sure. Um, so that sort of was the beginning of the end, probably around 2012ish. I think it was when sort of things went really bad and and. Uh, we tried to reconcile a little bit, but it was pretty much gone at that stage. So for, for probably two years of my life from that, we sort of lived together, but not as husband and wife. And it was in separate rooms. And just for the kids, it was really difficult. So that was kind of the beginning of the lowest part of my life. And towards the end of 2000 and or through 2013, being a senior manager, we were told that the company would probably wind up at the end of 2013. Oh, jeez. So here I'm sort of struggling with a marriage sort of part at home. Very supportive manager. Um who was was terrific she really understood and and she was the she was my go-to person really so I, I just indulged myself with a lot more travel and just I just couldn't be at home and I and I hated that for the boys but I kind of figured the boys would understand as they got older and mm-hmm. I needed to just I just couldn't be at home so I traveled an awful lot and towards the end of 2013 we got wound up uh, we were all made redundant that was wasn't a shock because we'd be prepared for it but when it happens it's still kicks you right in the valley and yeah, it's definitely so I found myself sort of out of a marriage and out of out of a job right on Christmas time because oh you know, my gosh. Up in December and and uh near impossible time to try and find employment so I had a bit of money because there was redundancy there and there was a, a fair bit of uh holiday leave that, that I hadn't taken so I, I I came into some some cash and I sort of thought, well, I rang my brother up, my younger brother, who I was super close with. Uh, he was living in London, been in London for 20 years. And uh, I said, um, I'm coming over to see you. Because he knew I'd, I'd lost my job. And he said, when? I said, next week. <laughs> he said, really? Said, well, you know, I've got the time on my hands yeah. right now. I've got the money to come over. It's, I don't want to be at home at the moment. So I'm just going to book my flights today and I'm coming. So I went over and saw him in February early Feb 2014 and we, we had two weeks together and it was the best just to be able to hang out with him and live his life for a little bit to the point where I was really close to moving over. I wanted wow. to go and sound that out first. I was very close to moving to London and uh, I just said, before I make that decision, I will, I will come and live with you for a couple of weeks. And we'll just go and hang out. You can introduce me to some guys, you know, in the, in the pub scene who'll get me a job. And I was over there for sort of that, 12 days and it was great loved every moment of it and, and uh, said goodbye to him and on the flight home I kind of thought I don't I don't think that I can move there I think my boys I'm, my, my ties with my boys are a little bit too strong yeah and I just didn't feel that there was work there he might have said that he, he could get me work but I just didn't have a commitment from anybody whilst I was there so I decided mm-hmm. to stay on that stage when I got home everything had been cleared cleared out of my place and and uh <laughs> So I came pretty much back to a house that was almost empty and hang on, does, like hang a, on. What do you mean? Every you came back and everything was clear. That you, so you, uh, my wife, yeah, my wife and the kids moved out and, and oh, um, right. oh, so, so so nothing in nothing in the house apart from a from a sofa and a telly and a bed to sleep in and no washing machine. I had to sort oh, of start all over again. 
I kind of I kind of knew that was happening. We kind of figured that was going to happen, but not to the extent that it did. And whilst I was away, so so I'm dealing with a with a marriage that's that's cooked. I'm dealing with a, the fact that I'm now unemployed. I'm dealing with the fact that I've got to start all over again with with what I had. And so I was I, I felt at that stage that I was probably at the lowest that I'd ever been. I couldn't get any lower. Um, and in a few months down the track, in in sort of June July, I, I got a I knock on the door one night on a Friday night and I'll never forget it. And there was, there was police standing at the front door and, and uh, they came in and they asked whether, whether asked who I was and whether I knew my brother and that I was a brother of my brother and mentioned his name. And I said, yes. And they told me that that found him had passed away. So um, oh, gosh, my, it was extremely difficult. Uh, he's not only was my brother, but he was my best mate. And he was, he was the one person that I had to rely upon to, to be my rock when I really needed someone the most. And my, you know, my boys were, were great. And, you know, they were young though, and they didn't understand it. So at that point in time, I had my youngest guy, Jake, living with me because the mother had gone out and then she'd sort of gone off and done other things and they were sort of a bit lost. And so my young guy was living with me. He was at home at that night and, I sat in the in the other room with the police for probably I don't know maybe they were there for ten minutes maybe they were there for twenty minutes I don't know I can't remember they left and he he came out and he asked what, what I'd done wrong and um, I said I, I haven't you know they, they weren't here to see me about me they were here to see about your uncle and and um, and he didn't understand he was only young and uh, so I kind of went into like what do I do now I have to go up to Aubrey to tell my old man I didn't want to tell him over the phone and there was funerals and everything organised. He's over in he's over in London, you know, he'd been he'd passed away nine days earlier and, and we found him so they couldn't determine, you know, what the cause of death was. There's a lot going on at that stage, you know, without much support at all. So within a couple of weeks we're over in London and had a service over there and brought his ashes back. And then Jeez. my old man my old man took it harder than what I mean took it hard. We all took it really hard, but then he pretty much shut down and, and locked everybody out of his life. So I kind of felt like I had nobody at that point. And but my main goal, Beck, was to make sure that my boys were okay. That was priority number one. I had a couple of massive meltdown moments um, that, that in private, but my priority was very much to make sure that my boys were okay and, and that the way that I conducted myself and held myself through that time would set them up to be able to hold themselves in, a, in the correct way, in the appropriate way for their kids when something happens in their life when, when I go. So that was probably at my lowest. That was at a, at a, a, there was times when, you know, I probably didn't think the nicest thoughts of, of you know, there was, you know, and I don't need to go any further into yeah. that, but there yeah. was, it was my boys were the reason that, 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 that I'm still here, that they, they've kept me around. And, you know, you just sort of have to dust yourself off a little bit and, and keep going. You find a way. And then you now we just, we just, I guess we find ourselves here after all that time, you realize that things, can be can be pretty bad at times but there are people worse off there are people that can listen i didn't reach out enough and i and i wish i had it at that stage because i only had really had my boys to listen to me and and i needed to make sure i was strong for them so yeah kind of a bit of a dark period through 2013 2014 probably my, my darkest moment for sure oh it does I'm just, I really am just trying to take all of that in, in, in that period of your life. Um, I just, oh my goodness. First of all, from, you know, the marriage coming home from overseas, having seen your brother and had that time to come home to an empty, an empty place, um, yep. the marriage, then the brother, I just can't, you know, 
And I'm really, I really appreciate you in all honesty, Daz, actually opening up and talking about that. Cause I think not enough men do that. Not enough. We don't hear it enough from men, I think. Um, and I you, yeah. and you I just, agree. I, I, I agree. agree. Yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, some, one of the best things that happened was, was the company closing down because if they hadn't have closed down, I wouldn't have had the time nor the money to go and spend two weeks with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, and, I, and he would have probably passed away when he did and, I, and it would have been a few years before that that I would have seen him last. So I think sometimes I've always been a believer that things happen for a reason, that so yes. sometimes the planets align and, and it was supposed to be that way for whatever reason it was supposed to be. I was supposed to be out of work with money to spend and time to spare to go and spend time with him. And it was a spur of the moment thing. Maybe, maybe something from with, within told me that I needed to do that without knowing at the time. Yes. Uh, uh, and so I feel, you know, very fortunate that uh, I was given that time to be able to spend with him. And I wish I had known more that was going on in his life at that time. It might've made a difference to, to his life, but that's the way it is. It's difficult to talk about, but I find it a lot easier now that I've come to terms with it, Beck. And I think sometimes these platforms allow you the time and opportunity to be able to share your feelings. And I, so I really appreciate you giving me that opportunity because maybe I should have talked about it more. Oh, it does. Well, I, I'm really glad that you have. And, I, and look, to be honest, I really love that you can look back and appreciate that. You know what? If my job hadn't have gone, I wouldn't have had the money, wouldn't have had the time to have at least those, those you know, two weeks um, with, with your brother. Um, I, I just wanted to ask you, Daz, you know, not, not to just move on from all that because it's, uh, you know, it, it's so much, but how do you, and again, I'm, I'm asking this because, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a woman, obviously, and I, I, I hear, we hear it a lot from women, but I don't hear enough of it from men. How, how did you get through those times? How did, how did life suddenly start to bring some of the colour back? How did your life start to, you know, have colour again? What, how, how did you do that? Uh, I think I just, uh, and I, I must say, because we can see each other because we're on Zoom at the moment, and you can probably see here that I've got a, I've got like a, one of those fidget, what do they call them? Like the little yeah. fidget things. And I've been doing yeah, yeah. that the last 10 minutes. It's helped me get through that last 10 minutes. So I've got oh, this little fidget finger spinners. <laughs> I'll put that down now because it's been distracting me, but I needed, to, I needed to use that on my way through. So I guess I kind of threw myself into work and, and I, I bounced around a little bit. And I think you're aware of that. I, I kind of went from role to role. I remember when I was, I was at Yellow Pages for years, well before this, before... Yeah this all happened. And I remember I went for a senior role as a manager and, and my, I didn't get it. And I was disappointed. I didn't get it. It was out of three guys in the office and I felt that I was well credentialed with, with what I'd done. Yeah. Uh, and I was disappointed. I didn't get the internal role. And I remember a, a manager of mine said to me, always remember Daz, that when you are going for a position, be moving towards a position, not moving away from one. And I said, well, that wasn't the case with me. I wasn't moving away from a, a position I was actually moving to one, but, I, but I've always remembered that. And, and I think the mistake that I made for quite a few years from that moment when I, when I went through my lowest point was I bounced from role to role going from one that I shouldn't have got to another one I shouldn't have taken to another one I shouldn't have taken to another one. It went on and the cycle continued yeah. on and on and on. So I guess in a lot of ways, even though the roles weren't right, it was a means to an end. It gave me, gave me a little bit of purpose in a different way. I knew it was never going to be any more than maybe six months, 12 months, 18 months, and I'd be looking again, yeah. kind of feeling like I'd, I needed to find my groove again. I was off, I was off 
not so much off the rails, but I was off my own personal rails and I needed to find my way back onto that level, the railing again. Yeah, I can understand. And, uh, I think a lot of people will understand that, Daz, absolutely. Yeah. And it got to a stage where a position came up for radio in Queensland and I thought, you know what? I spoke to my son and I just said, why don't we go on an adventure? And I'm going to apply for a position. It's, it's in, it was in Longreach up in Queensland and I'm going to apply and right. we're just going to have a journey. What do you think? And I said, I'm, I'm done with it here in Melbourne. There's, there's just nothing that's really, I, I can't get any traction in Melbourne. It's time for us to go and have a journey. And he was young and he said, let's go for it. So I went for the position. I didn't get it. Okay. And um, I kind of left it about, okay, I thought my air check was pretty good. I thought I knew everything and I, I still had a lot to learn, even though I'd been a radio for a while. I needed to, to get better. And then out of the blue, I got a call from the same guy who owned a six, eight station network in Queensland, uh, commercial stations in Queensland. And he said, I've got a position for you. Um, You just missed out last time, but this position would be perfect for you. It's in Emerald, which is also in Queensland, but a bigger centre. And he said, it's yours if you want. I said, I won't take it. You won't take it? No, the reason being is that my, my eldest son and his wife were expecting their first child and that was my first granddaughter and she was coming literally at that time i said i can't leave now and i've got a granddaughter coming that's my priority there's there's no way that i'm going to take that opportunity now i said i hope you appreciate that that i i need to be here and and be around be a granddad like i i I just (laughs) wanted and needed to be that so i I thought that's the end that was it so i became a a granddad and and that was the best ever and it was terrific and then within a few months i got i got another i got another email from the same guy and he said look i'm not sure what your circumstances are but there is a position that's come up again in roma and uh i thought well where's roma like not italy roma roma (laughs) outback queensland Uh, so i looked at it and i thought you know what if 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 i don't say yes that's going to be it right so i um so I accepted it and we, we went and had a journey in our, as Outback Queenslanders. Oh, and, and that's kind of radio got me back into the, the passion again. And so I was there for, for a while. I saw my contract out and, and there was, wasn't much of a life there because you're so remote and, and we had nothing to do. And I knew my son was 16, 17 at that stage, 16, and he was bored out of his mind and well, this is not the life. So we went back to the Gold Coast where my son and granddaughter and my wife, uh, his wife were living at that stage. Mm-hmm. Go back on on radio on the Gold Coast. No hope in hell because there's um, there are a certain amount of stations. There is a list as long of you, as long as each of your arms of people trying to get onto radio on the Gold Coast. So oh, right. I thought, okay, well, I've, now I'm back into back into just back, being a sales guy again with no radio in my life, and and uh, it got to the point where how do I change this? So I thought, well, you know what? If I can't be on radio, I'll create my own station. So. I build a radio station and own a radio station now. I've had have since since 2017 called The Buzz and it's um, it's been doing its own thing in the background a little bit and it gave me that it gave me what I needed to have radio again to so actually have a fully licensed broadcasting radio station an online station. That is amazing. And uh, so that's how I found my way back into radio again and did that through them and and worked my way back to, to Melbourne in 2018 and continued the radio journey from there. So I guess throwing myself back into work. I know it was a long answer. Um, and right. I've, only got six, I've only got six hours for, to be on your podcast. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, um, I'll try and keep it a bit shorter, but you know, no, I can talk. It's perfect. I kind of feel like that's what got me back into radio again, of, of actually forcing myself to create radio rather than wait for radio to come to me. I, I made radio 
my own and that's uh it was the best thing that could have happened so eventually found my way back to melbourne and as i said the journey has continued i love that does i love that you kind of um i guess took that into your own hands to think well right okay if, if, if i can't make this work i'll i'll I'm, I'm gonna make this work for me and you created and i am familiar with the buzz because i do listen to a few shows i actually listen to it on my desktop sometimes when i'm when i'm working so yeah i do yeah. am familiar with with the buzz um right. So I didn't realise that you only came back to Melbourne though in 2018. I didn't realise that it was, you were only sort of just back, back in Melbourne. At yeah, that time. I, yeah, I was in Roma for a while. Then I was on the Gold Coast through 2017 and I kind of missed Melbourne. I thought my opportunity, I really wanted to be, whilst I had my own station, yeah. it wasn't the same as being on air. So I wanted to, I wanted to get back on, on air again and, I had um, formed a really close friendship with a mutual friend of ours, Cindy, who's been uh, a guest on your podcast, and I, and I love yes. that episode as well. And uh, Cindy and I uh, had known each other when we were at Casey Radio in Melbourne. We'd met there before I went away to Rome. She was probably my greatest cheerleader when I went away, that you listened to all the most afternoons when she could. She would, she would tune in, and, and uh, she was, we became quite close friends, even though it was you know, just over 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 chat or on the odd phone call so we became pretty close with regards to that and i kind of thought well if i come back what would be the chances of coming back on air because i knew she had a couple of radio shows she was doing at, at yeah. casey a, a monday and a saturday show and i i, I pitched the idea at her if I, if I come back to melbourne uh, do you think we could sort of maybe do a show together and i was just thinking maybe one of the days and and uh so we, we chatted through that she realized by by having me join her would take her up to another level she would laugh at that too Beck. she'll think that's hilarious of course but i needed to get that in there um we we <laughs> we complement each other so well and we always did so we um yeah yes, you do. 2018 we started a extra butter with cindy and daz and it's, yeah. so it's been no, a bit over four years now, and uh, that's how my my I, I reconnected with radio at that behind the mic in studio level again. And that it, even though the buzz has always been there, the buzzes that are, which we'll get to, I guess, a, a much higher level now. It yeah. was just I was happy for it to then sit in the background a little bit and just concentrate on my on air stuff with Cindy, which uh, we're we're quite proud of. And did that allow you, would you say does, you know, in some ways in doing that, it really connected you back to yourself again? Yeah, I think so. Maybe it was the start of it. Uh, I think I was still through 2018 a little bit lost because I was deeply missing my, my granddaughter and yeah. I knew that regardless of where I went, my, my, my youngest son, Jake, stayed up in Queensland. He'd met a girl. So all of a sudden... You know, oh, I had, I had so he stayed there. So both your boys were staying. So they're both yeah. up there. Oh, right. no, both there. I've got another son, Matt, who lives close by here. So right. okay. even though I said goodbye to two of them, there was a coming back to the other one. So okay. they're never going to get them all together. I've tried. They're never going to live in the same area together. <laughs> sure. So I was coming back to, to Matt and, and uh, Sydney and I were friends, even though you know we were friends. We did radio together, which was great. We hung out a little bit, but... You know, she was also committed to a marriage and, and I was kind of finding myself a little bit and we, we were just good friends. And then um, sort of towards the end of 2018, she went through some struggles herself. And, yes. you know, we, we kind of just, we, we didn't see each other any more than what we were. We just probably started seeing each other a little differently than what we had. And, you know, I sort of things developed from there that we became a lot closer. And, and since that point, you know, we've we've been 
really happy together in a relationship, which has been, I think that was the full stop moment for, for my, my reconnection with me, if you're putting it that way, it's um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe she was always the missing piece. Maybe, maybe I've been spending all that time, you know, sort of connecting all the pieces of the puzzle. I always felt like the puzzle was always there on the table and I always knew by looking at the box, what the end result needed to be but I could never kind of put those pieces together. And maybe over those years, I was slowly just piecing them. And, and that one gap that was there in the sort of center of the, of the puzzle was filled when, you know, we, when she, her marriage sort of fell apart and, and uh, she was on her own and, and uh, we just were good for one another from that moment on. So she's been the best thing that's happened to me. Oh my gosh, does anyone, and, and look, I know for a fact that you are the biggest softy because you do some of the most sweetest things for Cindy. Um, <laughs> I will terminate this podcast. <laughs> no, I think I think that is so so wonderful. Um, it's just such a um, and look, I had heard your radio show on air with Cindy, and I I remember thinking, God, these two have got such good banter. God, these two can just banter off each other. And that's really hard to come by. Like that doesn't come naturally with, with you know, I think you've got to find the right person to be able to do that with. And I think from what I see, you know, from socials, the two of you just really enjoy the same things as well. You kind of banter off each other in life in general. And I'm just, yeah, I think, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, look, I think we've we've found each other and we, we are a really good fit for one another. We yeah. were always very good with that synchronicity and chemistry yeah. on air. And I remember listening Definitely. to an interview with the, with the guys at Nova when, when, they were, when, um, when they were doing so well out of Sydney um, before Marty Sheargold left. And yeah. they were winning so many awards. I remember them saying, like Marty said, that they do so well because they had instant connection. They had an instant chemistry, which you can't create. Correct. It needs to be there. And Sydney and I always had that chemistry, always understood one another. We can read each other so well now. Yeah. But the radio was always going to be easy for us, easy for us to do. We've we've had opportunities to go and do commercial radio together. We've had Triple M that have been very supportive of us and, and making offers towards us. But yeah. our life has kind of changed a little bit now. We we are doing things in our life in our own businesses that are that mean that they are so super special to us. The impact we're having on on people's lives with what we do is far more important right now than what a what a commercial radio career would look like even though you know it's it's extremely enticing when offers come your way to be part of the triple m brand yeah of course Uh, it all comes down to timing and here we are finding ourselves in a position where timing just doesn't work at the moment um, so we we enjoy each other's company we love a cocktail we love well we just love a drink in general i think (laughs) let's just call it we just like drinking uh, and we just like hanging out. We, we we speak about this quite a bit. How we we have a love for so many things together, but we've also parked a lot of that part of our life for years and years and years. While we we're married and while we were yeah, bringing yeah. up kids, you know that yeah. sort of stuff. The stuff that we're doing now is stuff that we can afford to do because it's just us now. Yeah, like an, old, an old retired couple <laughs> heading to Florida or something, but. <laughs> It's nice to be in that position. It's nice. So, you know what? Well, you know what? If we're going to get drunk and book a $2,000 holiday to the to Daydream Island to watch Barnsley, Braithwaite and Richard Clapton in May yeah. in two weeks' time, did I mention that? Well, I'm going to do well, We're going to do it. Yeah. And we yeah. did it. We did it. So it's that's amazing. the kind of stuff that we're going to do with our life now is just, is just sit back and, and enjoy and relax a little bit. 
Well, first of all, good on you. And second of all, I've, I don't know if Cindy's told you, but I call you two the cool kids. So whenever I see um, the cocktails and I just feel like you're always doing the coolest, trendiest things. There'll be pictures of like the cool bars that you're at or you're out doing something really fun. And, I'm, and, I'll, and I'll message her and say, oh, so the cool kids are at it again. So, I, um, so I think that's wonderful. Daz, the 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 one, uh, first of all thank you so much for sharing everything that you have shared i genuinely from my heart i do appreciate it so much um the question I, I always end with is um which you've probably already summed up but i'm going to ask it anyway um where is daz today in life in yourself in general whatever where is daz where you're at i'm still abrasive and i'm still pretty unlikable by most people you know what i'm rubbish I'm a lot more- I'm a lot more comfortable with that now, Beck. I, I kind of find that I've been able to find my rails again and and I've got a bit of a direction with with um, the business that I'm involved with that I've started and, and with the with the buzz now being a, a fully operative broadcasting station and mixing things up in Melbourne and the things that I love the most, including Cindy, are all such a, a massive part of my life. So I kind of feel like with all the all the changes happen. It's just pushed me back into this into this one direction, which I've been able to find again, and you know I'm um, I'm happy again, which is kind of nice. It's, there's a there's a lot of years. I've got three grandkids now. Oh, and, congratulations! Uh, thank you. I miss them terribly. They're off in the Gold oh. Coast. They was only a flight away. I would love to see them every day and give them a hug. So I miss them terribly. It's probably the one piece that I haven't got. Oh, have them okay. in my life every day. But everything else is is great, and then being able to be invited on a, a podcast such as yours, Beck, is wonderful. So I really appreciate it. Oh well, look, and also just to, I just want to put it out there, Daj, quickly before we wrap up. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, second of all, you were very, very instrumental in the, um, you know, beginning stages of this podcast. I have to put it out there. So anyone listening who has wanted to start a podcast, who has a thought out there to do it. Daz really is your man to go to because um, I still remember when I came, I, I just had this thought that I wanted to start a podcast and I just wanted to record, record an intro. And I remember, remember sitting down with you and you threw all these questions at me and I said to you, I don't know. And I, and I love the fact, I know you call yourself abrasive, but I, I don't see it that way. You were just so, you just told me as it was, you're like, well, you need to know this stuff. And I thought, God, he's right. I really do. But you helped me figure that out. You actually helped me figure that out. I remember sitting in your studio in Karingal and you were up riding on the board, like going above and beyond for me and for this little podcast. And you were up there writing things I didn't even think of. I thought, oh, shit, what am I? I don't actually know what I'm doing. So, um you know, I just want to, I, I want to say that as well. I've always been super, super grateful um, for the encouragement and support and also the work that you've done, the work that you've done for this podcast as well. So um, yeah. And th- thank you so much for coming on as a guest and sharing everything that you have. Like I, I genuinely like from my heart appreciate it. So thank you so much, Daz. Very much my pleasure. And you need to find your inner American as well, Beck. You know, you've done an awesome job yourself. So let people know just how well you're doing. I kind of always feel like you've always, you, you know the answers. I just provide the key to unlock all those little boxes up here, upstairs. And you had them all there. I just unlocked them for you. And then, then away you've gone. Look at you now. Well, yeah, I, I, they weren't even a thought in my head. So thank God you were there with your right board to ask me the question. So again, I know you come back and you call yourself and I'm abrasive and I'm, I don't know, I just think you call it as it is. And I think that's a wonderful trait to have. So um, yeah, really appreciate it, Des. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. If you would also like to connect with the Be Soulful podcast, please find us on Instagram at Be Soul Podcast. Thank you so much.